Why'd you call a new album City for Sale? City for Sale. All right. So um, when I when I first originally started this album, it was called Last Hustle with Brooklyn because I knew it was going to be the um the, the proper follow up to P's Gotta Have It, which was like you know a play on Spike Lee joint. Spike Lee like his his first. Uh, I don't know if this was like his uh, his college project or whatever, but his first movie was called Last Hustle in Brooklyn. And I just was, as I started to work on it, and I as it started to take shape into being about like loosely about gentrification throughout the whole album, I said I don't. It's not just about Brooklyn, so I don't want to call it Last Hustle with Brooklyn. It had already taken on like it was gonna be this breakup letter to my city, but I didn't want it to be only about me. So I said okay. For a second, for like a week, it was called Last Hustle and Blank. But I was like, that's, that's too much to explain. <laughs> like, just like, you, Last Hustle in your city. But I was like, city for sale pretty much covers it. Like, okay, my city is for sale. Wherever you live, it could be your town also. And anybody can relate to that versus it being Brooklyn. So city for sale just was an a easier way to get the point across of, my, you know, my city for sale, pretty much. And that, I wanted that to be for anybody and not just about a person in Brooklyn. Okay. Um, throughout the album, you're trying to adapt to gentrification while speaking out against it. Um, how did you get to the point where you decided to try to adapt to Brooklyn that uh, a, a Brooklyn that was much different from the way you remembered it? Yeah, um, uh, during recording, like, we got we got the record on the album called The Norm, and where I'm, like, kind of speaking against it, but you also have Here Come the Neighborhood, which is, initial, that was the first song I did for the record, was Here Come the Neighborhood, and it was supposed to be a tongue-in-cheek way of saying, you know, these developers are not going to get what they want. It's going to be... It's going to be me and my peoples in these new buildings. Like, we, we're not leaving. And you know what I mean? So that was like the lighthearted way of saying gentrification, but the hood is moving into these new buildings. We got the money, we moving in. And as just as, as recording the album and making it going along, I was like, that's not a that's not necessarily a reality. So let me speak on reality. Let me take this serious. 
So I, I, I go back and forth with this is what it is. And I do remember, like, when, when you speak to a native New Yorker, like, just as far as my experience goes, we we tend to be like, yeah, man, you know, it's, it's, it's soft now. Or, I remember when you couldn't walk down this street. Uh, and I was like, but that's not better. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, we, we, we think about those times. We speak fondly of it, but that's not better. So in some ways, it's safer but at the cost of what? At the at the cost of the people that's been living there. It, it hasn't gotten safer for us. It's gotten safer. And think there's more access and things that they 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 bring in things that they they consider in the culture. But we already had culture. We had, you know, the we had the this shop where uh, people from uh, you could go get some Dominican food here. Then you could go get some. Caribbean food here, and like we had, we had culture within our own place, and then they try to people come in and say, "Oh, but now there's a, a yoga shop, and now you can do pottery here," and it's bringing in culture, and it's like it's been culture, you know what I'm saying? So, in some ways, it's, it's BS, but in other ways, it's like, well, it, it is safer, and for the people. Before we totally are out of there, we being like not even just black people, but just people that can't afford to stay. Before we fully out of these neighborhoods that are ours, that we grew up in, that we were, you know, that we know is ours. The the, the some of the new things that they bring in, okay, that is cool. This this, this maybe you know somebody from my projects they do want to go do they can go do a, a fucking pottery class. <laughs> right here and that, that wasn't there before that's cute that's cool but in the next two or three years they're gonna find a way to get rid of you know the, all the all the rents going up at the laundromat the bodega the liquor store boom 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 and it's gonna, that liquor store is gonna be a wine place that you don't go in and that bodega is gonna be you know some some bistro that you everything is too expensive but it's not even really for you in the first place you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's, I, that's how I look at it. Like on some ends, some of these new things are cool, and some of this new safety, I guess, is cool. It's great, but it's not. It's not safer for you. It's safer for who they want to move in. So let's just. My my whole thing is, you know, trying to find a silver lining. Let's enjoy. Let's enjoy these quote unquote benefits while we can until they move you like they did a lot of people in Fort Greene. They just, they moved a lot of people out of Fort Greene, but they just went to another, to other housing projects. And now, you know, how that works. It's like, man, unfortunately, you know, we have, we have beef with this project over here. So now they're moving, they moved my mom's into this project over here and we have beef. And now, now it's even more dangerous. This place that they're making safe over here, they made this other place even more dangerous. Like somebody was telling me that that was happening in Chicago. They were saying like, you know, they they tear tear project down, and people get relocated, and now you live across the street from somebody that y'all had issues with. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that definitely happened here, but it's more so they shipped people from the projects to the suburbs. And okay, yeah, that that's another thing I hear about. Yeah, and, and then and then when when you get out there, what are you doing out there? Is it like 
is there like a benefit for you being out there? If you can afford it. Just, <laughs> I mean, yeah, and it's like in it's like in, in Queens where like I heard it's funny I'm quoting Ja Rule right now, but I heard Ja say out in Queens they they, you, they not necessarily right on top of each other. Like everybody's not in Queensbridge, so they got like their little houses and stuff, but it's still for, for some kids it's like nothing to do but get into trouble. And and our you know people of color our trouble gets treated different versus uh, that kid just being a knucklehead take him home to his parents our trouble turns into you're going to jail now because you you know did something because you was bored yeah. and it's like it, it's a lot <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying yeah it definitely is um the song the norm you talk about yeah. the parts of Brooklyn that haven't been gentrified. Um, mm-hmm. for you personally, uh, mm-hmm. what positive aspects of gentrification have you seen? Keep your ride locked and alarm on. Don't walk in this building with that screw face. I know they say it's hipster and we cute now. But if I was you, I'd double not that shoelace. This that block that they ain't gentrified. That block that they ain't gentrified Please keep an eye on when cars pass Anyone can hop out of them unmarked Whether cop or robber, they the same problem Bring the opposite of when the fun starts This that block that they ain't gentrify No, I'm not glorifying or lying or even trying To prove how I grew up or knew what them homies threw up No, I don't know no dealer, no worker, don't know no shooter No, I don't know who in that photo, no, you can't keep me Thought I was in here over public pee and now you reaching One of the reasons I was in the house nerding out Trying to keep it ignorant, avoiding all the word of mouth This that block that they ain't gentrify I want to be careful when I say they're positive, but just things that we've been able to, um, it's just, it's just things that I, that I've seen like, with, like Don, for example, Don, well, he, um, he, he's still in Brooklyn. He, he, he's still living out in Brooklyn. I actually moved to North Carolina now, but, um, he's out, he's out in Brooklyn and like a lot of the places he, he'll go and get work at, like whether he could be out DJing or hosting something. And they're like, for the most part, they're hip hop parties. But it's like, it's the, the hip hop generation that's now late thirties, early forties, where not even 20, like 25 years ago, it would be like, oh, they just waiting for that club to get shot up pretty much. And I and I see now like I'll go to, I'll go to something that um like 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 the Makosa party in Brooklyn or something and it'll be people from people from those non gentrified neighborhoods be in the party chilling because now that this is this is not like a this ain't this 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 venue is not considered a war zone we're gonna come in here and, and shoot it up like that might have happened in ninety four or something or even ninety nine. But now it's like, okay, we can have this cool party and they playing they playing Kendrick and they they playing uh K Trinata 
And it's like, it's dudes off the block that's in there too, chilling. And it's like, I think it's more of a blend of, also with the internet, it's more of a blend of just different cultures and different experiences and different things like having, when we talk about the people I grew up with, when you talk about like these, the, the, the drug dealers and whoever, whoever, it's like all they do is not just sell drugs. Like my man off of um, the wire has a train collection, stuff like that. So it's like, yo, you see more of a blend of the different types of people from the neighborhood. It's people, people of color that have not been priced out yet. People of color that um, their their projects are still standing, so they're still they're still in them. And then you have the people that moved to New York. That's just trying to like, trying to do whatever, whether it's entertainment or whatever. And, and they may have come from a small town somewhere or have had the money to move into the more expensive New York. And we're all blending together in some ways. Not everybody, because it's definitely places where it's like these, what, in my, in my, how I look at things, it's like these certain speakeasies and stuff like that. It's like this place is on a low. You don't really want the neighborhood to know this is here. You want the people that you want in here to know about it. Mm-hmm. And it's disguised as a speakeasy, but really, you know, if the whole if the whole project was in this place, you wouldn't be happy with that with that um, customer. You know what I'm saying? And I, that's something that I've seen a lot. And I used to I would walk around I'd walk around Brooklyn, and I'd just be like, Oh, I'm on, I'm in this random alley right now and then you look down the alley and it's like a beautiful beer garden or something and I'm like you can't even tell this is here but that's on purpose that's them if you know you know and they want certain people in there and um that stuff like that I don't I don't think stuff like that is cool but I do think the for now like the the, the blending of people that have been there new people all getting to know each other I'm trying to make the most of it is cool. And certain places like certain hip hop events and stuff that wouldn't have been safe when I was growing up, I think it's cool that they're safer now. But you still have stuff that happens like the um like the Troy Ave situation that happened a year or two ago, stuff like that still happened. But that used to be a lot more. And um so I, I look at stuff like that. Like I my brother's twenty five, twenty six. And he goes out, and I never worry about him. But when I was 18, 19, we had to worry a lot more when we were, when we were going out. And it was like, I'm not going there, man. They gotta, like, it'll be like, I'm, we're not going to see that movie. Belly, I'm not going to see that. They're going to shoot the theater up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And now I feel like the kids now don't, they don't worry about that as much as we had to. So I appreciate that for the time being, but I'm still skeptical as in, I'm still cynical, like, well, that's for now. They're going to continue to, to ship us ship us out of there so they can turn it fully into what they want it to be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, what part of North Carolina did you move to? I'm right outside of Raleigh now. I'm in mean, Cary, North Carolina. Wow. That's crazy. I got a friend out there. Um, oh, work. That's like a That's like a well-to-do area, man. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, yeah, people like it's funny. I, I was when um I went to the little brother. The little brother had a, a show here two weeks ago, and I was talking to um Sean Don and Big Doe, mm-hmm. 
And they was like, oh, you in the, you in the rich people neighborhood. And I'm like, nah, I'm right on the border. Trust me. <laughs> like, trust me, man. Where I live, we, 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 we moved in here, and it was a shitload of problems with this apartment. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, I'm not in the, I'm not in the nice part. <laughs> okay. what, what but I, I wouldn't call it, I wouldn't call it the bad part. But I'm just, I'm not in the rich part. Put it like that. Yeah. And um, and the same thing is happening here because like at the show, at the little brother show, Fonte was like, man, you know, we on this street. I remember ten years ago on this street, you could walk down the street, blah blah blah. I'm like, you know, they, it's definitely happening throughout Durham and all of that. So that's another reason why I want City for Sale to be like, this is only happening in Brooklyn because that's, that's isolated people, you know? Like, it's, it's happening everywhere. And I, I'm hoping that people, people can identify with it everywhere, even if it's not the same exact. Like, I, I named out Kennedy Fried Chicken. If you don't have a Kennedy Fried Chicken, you can still be like, you know, they and they people these new people they come in Harold and they want to know why Harold doesn't look more like a four star restaurant or, <laughs> or whatever you know what I'm saying and it's like yeah pretty much <laughs> what made you move to North Carolina <clears throat> I've been moving around a lot actually man I was um I haven't fully lived in Brooklyn since it's, it's been a, it's been a couple of years I, I was back and forth to um I was actually living in Paris for a while mm-hmm. around um 2015-2016 I was um I was writing a lot of this album and I was able to re- reflect on it because I was I was out in Paris and I was watching that shit happen out there because you know there I wasn't in I wasn't living in the 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 romance the romance Paris I was in like the the neighborhoods in Paris I was in the the, like the outskirts and whatnot. So and then you, I'm seeing that happen there too. Coming home, then I was living in uh, Maryland with my girl, and you, you watching it happen in Maryland and DC. And we moved up to um, my girl was going to school in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. We was right outside of Springfield and watching them build the uh, the the new casino in Springfield, which is like the the black and Hispanic area out there. Like every like, cause since I was doing this album, it was on my mind so much. I kept noticing it everywhere I was moving. So as I kept moving around, I kept noticing it more. It was you know, and then going back to Brooklyn every couple of weeks, every couple of months, depending on how far away I was, it was something brand new and different every time, and something that I was looking forward to going back to my restaurant that I go to. It was gone. I want to go back to this place. It's gone now. It's a another target or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, but I moved, I moved here because my family's from here, and when we were, I went with my, my now wife, she was going to school in Massachusetts, and we were thinking about moving, and I was like, I can go, we can go back to New York, but New York is super expensive, and it's like, what am I going back for? It's like, a, it's going to be like moving to a new place down there. So I'd rather go and be close to the family in North Carolina and then I come here, and there's so many new things, and like you know, just everywhere. You know, it just is what it is. And um, so yeah, that, but to answer your question, that's what brought me down here. Just my family's here, and I've, I've been moving around for the past couple of years. But we're trying to settle in North Carolina, and um, we we're here because we, you know, she um, she graduated in June, and we had to bust a move quick. The lease was up and blah blah blah, so we found somewhere in Cary. 
but I'm not staying to carry. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no disrespect to carry, but I'm not staying because where we at, like you definitely see as I go, like if you go a little more into like properly into carry, you see like it's, it's, it's a lot of money. Yeah. And, um, we right on the border of Raleigh, and I, I want to go. I want to go into Raleigh. I want to go to like either my wife want to go to Durham, but I'm like, you know, wherever we go, we're not we're not staying right here. So yeah. my answer will be where I live in North Carolina. That answer will be different next summer for sure. <laughs> okay, um, there's a song on the album called "Round the Way Girl," and it has some very deep storytelling. Um, it, mm-hmm. Is that based on a true story? Baby, baby, baby. Since the day I met you, I knew that you were. Uh huh. Yo, fuck it. I might wife you and buy you nice kicks. Some today we rockin' the same shit, only from the ankle down. Anything more, you gotta take it down. Standing at the shave dice with your son He called me Mr. Vaughn Spilled it on the shirt I took him to mom's His pops write him letters with a ruler Or the edge of a book saying learn them computers Back in 05 when Ye was saying touch the sky He got into an argument and bucked This guy from another project In front of King's Plaza Ran a couple blocks, caught the 46 after You know the hood's small So in 06 he got bagged out in Queens on some lay low shit to spell it out, wipe the other felons now mine. But she's still down with him in his downtime. Baby, baby, baby. Since the day I met you. True love is her baby, and I'm not his dad. So if they could be together, she'd hand me my bag. Step around the stepfather and go work on the daughter while I'm some in the mission from out of her past. Who am I to say this picture of your son's pops is a lot? He wasn't here when I was hoping with his chicken pox. At times self-conscious, I don't want to impose. Should I be a friend, a stepfather, a bro? If I were color scheme match, should I change clothes? Or am I overthinking, how do I go with the flow? My younger brother used to say I act like I'm his dad. My father told him shit, I'm not around, so we can. He taught me how to tie a tie, how to shave, then remarried and had other kids to raise. Love them the same, yeah, it's darker memories in my mind. But I'm still down with them in my downtime. She had a pistol grip pump. Out of nowhere, our time was up. Now I'm moving out. Growing out what I can do without Some of it's emotional, some of it is tangible I don't have the answer true, but maybe I'm the cancer to the household I'm the foreign object If they let him free, where you thinking he gonna be within these projects? What you thinking son been telling him where I slept? Be intercepting the con isn't the concept Baby don't settle for me, I'll tell a better story I'm cool with your shorty, but I'm leaving in the morning No place holder for your heart or his father's spot But if you want, I'll still take him to the barber shop. This young king got a village with him, so it'll be fine He just gotta make it through this downtime
I always put multiple stories together. Um, on the if you have the um, for anybody that that bought the the vinyl version of the album, I, I think some, somehow it got lost in the it got lost in the, the album going out digital. But that's actually called it's called Part Two, Roundaway Girl, and um, the song before it is Part One, um, Let's Be For Real. So like that, that, those two songs, they were supposed to be called part one and part two, but somewhere that got lost in the um, digital, but it is on the vinyl. So actually, um, Let's Be For Real is the story of, you know, that's just like, I guess, your, your average girl song, in so many words, where like, um, I meet this girl, I'm rapping about this woman, and, and I was us getting to know each other at like the, the honeymoon phase on Let's Be For Real, but... Round the way, girl, is it's, it's the same woman. Like on um, on Let's Be For Real, I say at the end of the rhyme, I'm like, but her son may hear this one day, so forget it. And then the next song, I'm talking about that son <clears throat> and like my relationship with that son and my relationship with the, her and how she feels about the son's father and how it goes with, with my relationship with my father and me trying to be, am I a stepfather now? And, you know, being 37 years old, it's something to think about. It's like anybody, like I'm married, but if I wasn't, if I'm dating somebody around my age, they have a teenage child at this point. Mm-hmm. And I have to go in there and be like, you know, this 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 kid is looking at me. I'm like, you know, who who is this nigga? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and that's that's something to think about. And um, I wanted to I wanted to put put that song. And so I want to put all my experiences being that kid as my parents are divorced, I'm a child of divorce, and my relationship with my father, my relationship with my mom and guys. And um, I had a girlfriend whose, whose dad was in jail, and um, her her relationship with him being locked up and how she kind of, like, idolized him. You know, like she, she had a certain idea of him and when he gets out, what it's going to be like, and... You know, just dealing with that and and her stepfather and I, I took all of these experiences and put them into put them into the song. So the part about what I said about my father, like he taught me how to tie a tie and how to shave. It's like I was thinking, like my my parents got divorced uh, in '99 or 2000 around that time, and I have a younger brother. He's born in 93, so he was really too young to really understand the ins and outs of... He don't remember my parents being together. He don't remember them fighting and all of that. So for him, he's like, when he was a kid, it was like, all right, I'm going to hang with my dad on the weekend, and I'm going to go have fun with my dad on the weekend. And for me, it's like, I'm so happy they're divorced, because I remember what it was like. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Wow. So, yeah. so and one day, one day, my brother, my father, my brother didn't tell me this, but my father came, came. He called me actually. I don't think came home, but um, we don't live together. So he called me and he was like, "Yeah, you know, uh, your younger brother. He was, he was talking to me. We was talking, and he was like, man, Vaughn be acting like he's my father.' And and he said to me, he was like, man, well, I'm not around. He is." He he kind of is. He's he's the male role model that's with you day to day. He's the one teaching you man shit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then as, as I got older, my brother like you know we we got a we got a decent relationship with my father, but my brother got me a Father's Day card one year. You know what I'm saying? Wow. So it's like 
putting putting that into a song, I didn't go, I didn't want to like go away from the around the way girl concept. I wanted to stick to this story I was telling, but that's just like an aside I threw in there. It's like this is my experience having to be a father figure to my younger brother, and here's my experience with my father. And can I be a father figure to this this kid that his pops is in jail? And can I ever really be this woman's? Is she ever really with me if she's still tied to she's still tied to this dude? Like she has a like she got a picture of them. Like I, I really like that part of the story, it's not really based on me but the woman and the guy in jail. But like you you can see it like the, the woman the, the girl I was dating, it was plenty of pictures of her father and her mom, but her mom is married to somebody else. But that guy has to see his wife her ex every day in this picture you know what I'm saying yeah. and I just was taking all of that and and I wanted to put it into a story and just get get these things off of my chest in a creative way and just as a, just as a song tie it to okay we I got this the girl song that's this honeymoon but what happens after the honeymoon what happens after you know after Benita Applebaum push you on what happened next you know what I'm saying Mm-hmm. So that, that's what I was trying to do with, with that, with that song. Okay. I read that you were afraid to produce an entire album by yourself, but you produced this whole project. Um, yeah. Why were you afraid to produce an entire album, and why was this the time to do it? Uh, with the, the, the closest I've ever come was the Tanya Morgan album, like Moonlighting. Um, we, we, we produced the Moonlighting together, the group that like, we produced it, but I like put the, I, I'm the one that sequences the albums that puts them together, the final touches. And I did, I did half the beats on Moonlighting and Brick Beats, the other producer of Tanya Morgan, we're considered the two in-house producers. And he did the other half. Then with Brooklyn Natty, I produced half, he produced half. For the most part, and then um, another another producer we always worked with, Aon, he did a track on Brooklyn Addy also. And then I like I put the album together. But as far as the beats, I was like, I need to have this other producer to be like my checks and balances. So like, I have like we we all picked this this beat that Brick did. We all picked that. So I need something that's dope like that that'll get picked also. Mm-hmm. And. It was never like they're gonna pick all of my beats. It was, I would listen to some of the stuff I would send, like the whack stuff I would send, and be like, "Man, I can't believe I sent that." And I was just hard on myself. And um, I never was big on. I never been like a beat tape guy. I like I make a I make a beat for a reason, for a song, for a specific song, and then I produce that, and then I I send it off to Don, or if I'm working with you know. Spec Boogie, a.k.a. Rob K, for whoever I'm working with, I send it off to them, and they're like, I don't see where this is going. Or, or like, then I put a hook on it, and they're like, okay, this makes more sense with the hook on it. But, uh, but it was always like, can I do that by myself without needing somebody to tell me this is good or bad? And, like, Don, Don didn't hear this album until it was done. Nobody heard this album till it was done. It wasn't like I wasn't sitting around making stuff and like, is this good? Is this bad? So I, I just wanted to jump out there and be like, I there, I have no checks and balances on this album. 
like even like if you look at the song that Don is on, that's like that's I consider that like the track Wild. I consider that like a kind of a bugged out beat. That's not like a that's not a safe beat. And that's not I don't think that's like a I don't think anybody was expecting that. Like if you say, Yo, I'm gonna throw this Vonky album on, I don't think you're expecting to hear that track. So I was like, all right, I'm not gonna ask him if he liked this or not. I'm be like, yo, will you jump on this? Will you be on this song? I sent it to Fresh Daily. Yo, will you be on this song? Homeboy Sandman. Yo, will you be on this this track? And like, I, I guess a lot of times people will let you pick the track you're on. I'm like, yo, will you be on this? And that's it. And I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make this album by myself. And if if the shit is whack, I didn't ask anybody. I didn't. Don didn't like give me his yays and nays this time. It's just it's, it exists. It is what it is, and um, so that that's where the, the scared part comes in. I didn't have anybody to to ask to check on. I was just going off of it sounds good to me, and that's it. <laughs> okay. Um, I like the feel of the song "Frenzy." It it kind of sounds like a '90s throwback a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. How did that song come together? Jeeps. Many blessings and hip hop if it's any stressing. So get it mastered and get depressing. I drop jams while life keeping in the resting. We tear the east up, the west show my love. And if you with it, then throw it up. Everybody like me, stop playing with them. I'm in the mirror like me, stop playing with them. I came back with the band and B's not a plan. Let me describe the it that P's gotta have. To get in my kitchen, you hop in a dollar cab. Tub on the terrace, misses in the bath. I'm off like Paris, synthesized. <laughs> okay, I'm bullshit and it's a guy in the law. I'm overlooking when they stop overlooking me All in what? Hell yeah, book it, G I'm in a frenzy, so forgive me I'm in a frenzy, it's alright I'm in a frenzy, so forgive me I'm in a frenzy, it's alright It's alright Frenzy was one, um That, that was I, I, want, I wanted to do I wanted to make a beat as fast as I could and not overthink it because a lot of the tracks on this album, I um a lot of the, a lot of the beats like I kept working on and kept working on and changed the kick and changed the hi hats and take this out and put this in and and when I made frenzy I was like, just make a beat right now, make a beat fast, make a beat right now. So I went with like, I went with that break that you know the, the spread love break that people know it, and like the the, the chop. Just on some producer shit, it's just, it was a, there's a pretty straightforward chop that I did. It, it was the vocal, just the vocal part of it first. And um, I did go back later and I added like the piano part to it. Mm-hmm. But initially, the whole beat was just the um, just the vocal chop and, and the spread love drums. And I wrote it, I started every verse based on the, um, that, you know, that Biggie Tupac freestyle over that same beat. Mm-hmm. Where, um, you know, Tupac start here. I take my Lord for the many blessings. And Biggie, I got seven at the mm-hmm. And the last verse is actually it's a it's you know people listen to that shit for Big and Pop, but Big Daddy Kane he's up there too, and he started his verse 
So what's this bullshit nigga to say? So my third verse starts like that. I just, I started every verse based off of the three, three of the people on that original record. Um, and I just like, yo, because I, like I said, I, I did a lot of rewrites on this, this record. I did a lot of reproducing and, and just overthinking it. And for that one, I'm like, just this, you just, you just gonna make this song. Just gonna do it. We're not gonna overthink the hook. We're not gonna overthink the rhymes. You're just gonna write the verse, write, the, make the beat, and that's the song. And I just went, I went back to like produce it a little bit more. But other than that, yeah, that one, that song came about just straight up because I just wanted to do something and not not overthink it. Just like that's the song. And I think I think it has that name because of the break beat because that's such a especially back back home. That's such like a a staple. Like you you're gonna hear a DJ in the park playing that spread love break. And um and then throwing on the weird Brooklyn hat and all of that. So like I I read a I read a review that said it, it reminded them of something Funk Master Flex could drop a bomb over it. And I was like, yeah, that's funny because that's the perfect that's actually a perfect description of it. And so yeah, so that that's what that one was. Okay. I interviewed you 10 years ago before Tanya Morgan's show in Chicago. And I asked... Actually, I remember that. <laughs> you remember it? That's it was, um, was it the, the Blue... What's that, what's that place called? Subterranean. So, so what's, the, what's the place around the corner? It's like a bar, like the Blue something, I think. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I, it, it was another bar around the corner that we used to play at a lot, too. I'm not from... Uh, maybe the Blue Note? Yeah, Blue Note, Blue Note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Now, okay, see, I thought, I thought you interviewed me at the Blue Note. Nah, this was upstairs at Sub T. And okay. <laughs> yeah, and, and one of the, um, to this day, that's one of my favorite interviews, because it was just, we just talked hip-hop, and it was fun. Word. Um, I remember asking you what advice Quest Love had given you, and you said that Quest told you, no matter what, stay together. Yeah, um, stay together, weather the storm. I specifically weather the storm. Weather the storm. Okay. Now, but yeah. since then, Ilias has left the group, but Tanya, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Tanya Morgan's still going strong. Um, but also, some guys you came up with, little brother, who I believe Quest gave the same advice to, uh, mm -hmm. they broke up and recently reunited. Um, you know, I, I, I've heard of those guys. They sound familiar. A <laughs> little bit, a little bit. Nah, but you know, you know what? You know what's funny about that? Um, um, all right, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay diplomatic. Okay. <laughs> um, I I was able to relate so much to um, depending on what little brother interviews you've read or listened to or watched. It's like the the whole there where their button heads make so much sense. So like this is the same exact thing, except the difference is with my group. You know, night like night one was up here. He's like, like this big, this serious producer that don't with the Carters and and this one and that one and everybody. And 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 Ilya didn't go on to be like. I mean, as far as talent goes, he's he's still he's actually more talented because he's like he's doing like animation 
and like all kinds of film and uh, and can still rap his ass off and all of that. So he's technically more talented now. Really, are. but like for little brother, I can see people are like where's Mac, where's Mac? Because with Rhapsody, he's right. You know, he he's still in the news with them, and he done worked with everybody and like became more famous. Mm-hmm. But just as as three men, just as three artists, and the things you go through. I could relate so much to him saying, yo, it was me and Pooh and I have been putting the albums together, not taking anything away from that, but Pooh and I have been putting the albums together. And people were like, where's Knife, where's Knife? Like, yeah, he he, he, he did the beat, he, but we've been rolling as a group. We've been, we've been thugging it out on these tours and going through all the things you go through on the road and, you know, like being road warriors and just so many other things you go through. And the same thing is for Don Will and myself. Mm-hmm. And like, I was listening to the interview and um, Bonte was saying how Knife was like, um, I just want to do, uh, I'll do the festival shows and stuff. And on one hand, that makes sense. It's not because you want to do the bigger show so much, but it's because the bigger shows want everybody. Like, if, if Wu-Tang's going to do a show, the, the, a festival stage want everybody to be there. Mm-hmm. But if if if, if Raekwon, Ghostface, Inspector Deck, RZA, and Jizza go do a show, go on a tour somewhere in Europe, that's fine. And, like, you know, whatever they're going through on that tour, they're going through it and dealing with it and wishing they were home and blah, blah, blah. But then you get back home and the big festival and they, they bring you know, Ghostface and Method Man in the limo, you can't help but feel like, man, we just was going through it out here. <laughs> you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, it, it's that thing where Tanya Moore and we went through it too, where it was like, it wasn't because Ilias didn't want to thug it out. It's because it was, it was real life. He, he had, um, he was the only one with the child at the time. I mean, it was the three of us. So he couldn't just up and quit his job and go on tour and find another job when he get back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But through Don and I, Don didn't have a kid yet, and I didn't have a kid. I don't have a kid. So we were like, we just in it. We just here. We just doing. Let's just go. Let's just make this happen. We gonna jump. We jumping on somebody's tour bus, and we just gonna be on their tour bus for three months and get home and figure it out. And we we gonna save up our money and just go to Europe and figure it out. And you're doing all of that, and you wish you all could be there, but just life. You can't, you just can't, and that was the case. So it, it, was, it made Don and I closer, and also, I mean, it would tell you that we would be putting together the albums and everything because Don and I, were, we were always the ones that lived closer. When Don was in D.C. and I was in New York, we would link up more and work on music. Then we both lived in Brooklyn. We would be around each other working on music. And... That's just what it was, because it was just proximity and being able to not not having having less uh, responsibilities. Um, so that's that's what happened with, with Tanya Morgan. But, but now, years later, it's like I, I even feel them at the point where it's it's just not what it was. You know, that was ten years ago. So we can't pick up and make Brooklyn Ivy Part Two. And I, I wouldn't want them to pick up and make Mexican Show Part Two, 
you know, thinking we don't really know what that's what that's going to sound like. That it may not be what they want to want it to sound like, and that's that's just what it is. And I just I, I felt them a hundred percent. I don't see it as I think from right now it's more of a maybe back then when they first broke up it was more of like a ah oh, y'all just need to talk. But now it seems reasonable to me now, especially going through the stuff that me and my group have gone through. It's just reasonable that. We, we've done this for 10, 15 years now as mainly a duo. It's been Don and Vaughn longer than it's been the, the three-man Tanya Morgan. Mm-hmm. So that's like, that's what that's just what makes the most sense. And um, if, if we if we make tracks with the three of us or we, we do something else with the three of us, it'll just be that. But, but we're not like, and there's also... Realistically, that's just less, way less demand for the three of us anyway. So it's like, it just don't make sense. But if somebody wants to hear a song, we can do a song, sure. <laughs> like that, that's not a big deal. And I think, I'd imagine from, um, as far as Little Brother goes, I think that, you know, they it could have been the three of them, but if it wasn't going to work out in a, in a way that like kept things running smoothly, then I, as a as a fan and just as a as a person that can relate, I'd rather do what's what's flowing smooth. You know, I don't I don't want the um forced to make an album again thing. I I don't want you know if um if P and C L are not getting along this year, I don't want I don't want them to do a show together. I want it to be P and C L are cool this year. They they on tour, and if they not cool again next year, then don't go on tour next year. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like I, I'm so happy that Tribe was cool when they did the album because they was on tour and wasn't cool for a while, mm-hmm. as we saw in the movie. So I'm all about I'm all about what makes sense and what makes you run smoothly and keep keep shit as stress free as you can as far as groups go. You know. Yeah, no doubt. Last question, man. Um, mm-hmm. What do you hope to achieve with City for Sale? I wanted to, um, you know, I, I, I figured out, I, figured, I, I was thinking about this yesterday because that's a real question, especially now. Like, you have to think, what do you want out of this? You're not trying to go gold or platinum or whatever. So, what do you, as an indie artist, what are you trying to achieve? And I wanted to make my essential album pretty much. Um, I, 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 it's looking like it's going that way. And I, I just hope I just hope that that continues to be what it is. Like I, I wanted to make like Brooklyn Addy is considered Tanya Morgan's essential album. Like that's the one. Like if I was like, "Yo, put me on the Tanya Morgan. What's the album I need to hear?" Even with us being a, a duo for the past ten years, I probably still would be like, "Yo, go listen to Brooklyn Addy. That's like that's probably the most Tanya Morgan of Tanya Morgan based on what we were when we started. That's still like the definitive thing as as Tanya Morgan the group. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that we've made better music, but that's still like the, the definitive one. And that's what I wanted to do for this album. Um, I wanted City for Sale to be like, if somebody's like, yo, Vaughn P, put me on a Vaughn P. You don't got to say, yo, go listen to this album from 
go listen to this album he did with this person or that one or this one, or listen to him and Tanya Morgan, but his album is City for Sale. That's the one. And in five years, I'm cool with that still being the answer because I'm, like I said, I'm 37 years old, so I'm, I'm perfectly fine with, you know, if everything I make from now on, if people's like, yeah, that's good, but that city for sale, or that was the one. Mm-hmm. I'm cool with that. So, and, and that's what I was trying to do. Like, I want to make that essential album. Like, that's the one from Von P that you need. Word. All right, man. Thank you, Von P, for joining the RealHipHop.com podcast. Word up, and I apologize for rambling so much, but yeah, that, you know that's how that's how Tanya Morgan interviews we ramble. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, bro. All right, peace, man. Peace. The real hip hop, and DJing from your own mind, you know. I just right now we should start the show.